The podcast which you are about to hear is politically incorrect and offensive. The opinions expressed by the three assholes recording it are done so solely for comedy purposes. Listener discretion is advised. This is the Whiskey Reel. Four and three and two and one. No reason, no conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of good or evil. If what you say is true, the Shaolin and the Wu-Tang could be dangerous. Your mother sucks big fucking elephant dicks. Got that? Come on now, dog. You know I give you the mad, fat, superfly, stupid, dope, dumbass, retarded, bomb shit props. Take a big step back and literally fuck your own face! Let me get six muscle milks and uh, I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. I'm burning it all off. Don't worry about it. There's got to be a difference between the container and the can. It says two servings per container. Well, but then it says one serving is one can. But okay, so is the entire box a container? That doesn't make sense. No. So it has to be the can is the container. But again, I'll go back to this. (laughs) (laughs) Serving size. One can, twelve God. fluid ounces. This, this is, is great. a twelve ounce can. This is amazing, and it's one hundred and fifty calories per can. Which, by the way, is high. Yeah, high-ish. You know, yeah, because like a regular beer, it'd be like a regular beer. Well, yeah. but regular beer has more sugar, and these are well, they have, yeah, more carb. Content. So it's gonna turn into fucking fat anyway. Sure, it's very very uh, sus. Wait, beer makes you fat. No. Okay. Has have you ever seen to make anybody fat? <laughs> have you seen a grown man walking down the street and it looks like a barrel with four branches yeah. coming out of it? Yeah. Yeah. That's beer. You could just tap that gut. You're like, so let me get this right. You can't see your dick and you can't curl twenty pounds. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah, it's a good uh, luck. It's a good luck. I'm the Bobby glad- Noyes story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I made it to the podcast today, and I'll tell you why. Oh, please do tell. I was told there was going to be a surprise on a plane. I was in Florida. Somebody said, there's going to be a surprise on the plane. Go on the plane. And I was like, okay. So I went on the plane, and then they flew me to this island <laughs> called Martha's Vineyard. And I got out. I was like, where's my surprise? And they're like, "Um, the surprise is you're here now. You live here now. And we're leaving. Yeah, That was the surprise. It wasn't a great surprise. So I had to book a bunch of shit to get back to the podcast in time. So I'm glad I made it back for recording. But it was very treacherous. I'm sure it was hard. You had to go through Travelocity, I'm guessing. Yeah, of course I went through (laughs) (laughs) Travelocity. Hi. Uh, <laughs> uh, apparently, we are shipping people around the country. That's what's. I mean, we are exporting humans to make a political point, which is literally all it is. It's doing nothing to solve the problems that they think they have. Um, we're, of course, referring to the recent events that took place in Florida. Um, the potential president of the United States, I wish I was kidding when I say that, uh, Ricky DeSantis, who is doing nothing to improve the stereotype of Italian-Americans. Uh, Rick DeSantis, who is a trash person. 
Um, but he went to Harvard and Yale. He has to be good. But he's not elite. Of he course He just not. went to Yale. Right. Um, decided it would be a good idea to flex and fly 50 migrants who came in and walked across 20 different countries to get here uh, and dropped them off in a quote-unquote sanctuary city, Martha's Vineyard, which is well-known as a sanctuary city <laughs> um, in Massachusetts, and dropped them off and say, peace out, fly back. And um, there's a lot of stuff surrounding this story. What do you know about this story? Because so, I got a lot of stuff on this. I've show. looked at this a little bit. Okay. I Obviously, the big argument coming from the opposition side or DeSantis' side mm-hmm. is saying that these were illegals. But I've also heard a lot of talk that, no, these people actually filed for paperwork, um, are coming here to become naturalized. Yes. These are not... Illegal immigrants. These are no. immigrants. Th- that that's why you. They're just they're migrants almost at this point. Um, also, my other question, because would be, I mean, hasn't Biden also done this? I mean, he moved a bunch of migrants over or, or migrants immigrants to Tennessee, I believe. There. The U.S. has a long history of this. I remember back in 84 during the Olympics in L.A. I was a kid. They famously shipped a bunch of people out. Atlanta did the same thing during their Olympics where they bust a lot of homeless people. Yeah, Um, Yeah, that's right. This is not new to America. What is new is this wrinkle. And this is a wrinkle not talked about. So take it as it is, right? DeSantis flies uh, 50 immigrants out to Martha's Vineyard and drops them off. And it's like, we're, if you want to take them, you can, but we're not putting up with illegal immigration. What they're not telling you is that he chartered two planes from San Antonio, which is where they actually were, flew them on the taxpayer's dime to Florida, promising work, uh, promising um, protection, and subsequently flew them to Martha's Vineyard. So he kidnapped 50 people from Texas without letting his brother-in-arms, Greg Abbott, who's just a fine individual, and we'll talk about him in a minute, didn't even tell them, offered them, coerced them, right? They're scared. They're in a new country. They already know what America does by virtue of uh, immigrants. Um, they were they were here seeking sanctuary. It's different than being an illegal immigrant uh, from Venezuela. They came, flew them to Florida with the express purpose of flying them to another state. He was nice enough to send along videographers so that uh, he could document all of this, so that he could have a press conference. Uh, this is theatrics. This is clowning. This has nothing to do with policy. This is him getting a uh, clickbait uh, fucking press cycle moment that'll be gone in two weeks. But these people that he's used as pawns, human beings that he's used as political fucking chafe and and just put them out into the diaspora. Um, These people still have to survive. But his two-week news cycle will live on. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. Uh, this yeah. is 
so disingenuous. It's so theatrical. It's so political. Uh, it does nothing. They're they're complaining that millions of people are crossing the border every every day, every year. Millions are, and he sends fifty to another state and then holds a press conference to congratulate himself. It's obviously bullshit. Um, it's it is it, it's so dirty. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Meanwhile, Abbott, the aforementioned Abbott, who another just shining piece of shit. Uh, sent two busloads of immigrants to right in front of Kamala Harris's house in D.C. Thought it'd be a fun fucking photo op. Hey, you know, you like immigrants so much, you take them. Um, it, it, this is theatrics at its best. It's a, it's another well, example of the GOP doing nothing real and just committing political suicide by being theatrical. Well, that's yeah. what I was going to say is like it's it goes beyond. Now, I mean, to be clear, like they recognize the immigration issue as something they could still gain some traction with. They have seen what is going on numbers wise with Lindsey Graham coming out and basically. Oh, he, trying to pass he a nationwide fucked, fucking he ban fucked on the GOP on that, and they're to the, the point where this like, is a definite ploy. Like you, this is to take attention 100%. away from an issue that they cannot win on. They right. cannot win on now, that issue. Now, I, I, I know. Yeah, they cannot win on the abortion issue. They've already fucked cannot. themselves on that. But on immigration, which is their favorite fallback, every five or ten years they go back to their culture war hits. Right. These are the hits, guys. We're going to play immigration. We're going to play uh, trans bathroom issues and grooming. We're going to, they have the, a cycle of things they go through. When they're feeling like they're getting beat, they bring it back up. And the more, and I hate to say morons, but they're morons that soak this shit up, which at this point mostly revolves around MAGA Republicans, but there's also some hard right liners that would agree with this. Um, they eat it up every time it's brought back up. These are things that have been discussed for fucking 60 years. Nothing's been done about it on their side. They've done no substantive legislation to help anything that they've talked about. They just like saying immigrants, murder, rape, trans, and then they hope they win the election. Right. That's it. It's it's not difficult to figure out, but this is so egregious and can be tracked. So yeah. if I tell you as a fan of DeSantis, this guy went to Texas, flew over people to Florida just so he can fly them out to another state and then do a press conference. He had videographers. It's it's exploitation for political gains. It's trackable. It's easy to watch. And that was going to be my second point is like there's no consideration whatsoever to the humans that are being used as these little playthings in their in their well, it's not a chessboard, but <laughs> <laughs> they wish. Yeah, it's not a chessboard, but they're they're playing this game with human beings, like real life human, like yeah. kids, one hundred percent. And this is the party of Jesus. This is the party of family values. This is the this is the party of compassion. Every yeah. time you look at their like LinkedIn profiles or any of their profiles they have online, it says Christian. Yeah. I'm. I'm. What would Jesus do, my guy? Yeah. What do you think he would have done? Yeah. Would he have 
kidnapped somebody from another state and flown them to another state just so you can have a press conference. It's just egregious. I, I, it, it, I, I get so doomer pilled about shit. My mom, who, if you guys listen to the program, you know my mom is a psychopath leftist, and I love her to death, but she's insane. Um, she still thinks no Democrat's ever done anything wrong in the history of ever, <laughs> and I love yeah, her for that's it. That's true. But she was talking to me about what we need to do to, to you know, in Texas and Florida and I'm at the point now, man, where I'm just, I, I'm throwing up my hands. I'm like, let them have it. Let them have it. I'm done. You know what I can do? Let the right wing guys grab their guns, go to the street and try to take over the government. Let them do it. Let's just get it done with. Because this is, it's, it's our, our bipartisanship, our, our policy of being nice yeah. and inclusionary isn't working. It never has. So they have their side. We have our side. We have the much bigger gang. They have the much smaller gang. So let's have a gang war. And we'll see who comes out on top. I don't know what else to do because they refuse to listen to reason or facts. They refuse. Yeah. No, Welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That was just, I saw that, man. And I'm like, and it's funny because they sent videographers so... They didn't tell the people of Martha's Vineyard or the politicians or anybody in Massachusetts that they were doing this. They literally dumped them off the plane, telling, giving them addresses that were from a homeless shelter in Tacoma, Washington, giving them Google Maps on where they need to go, giving them a bunch of bullshit and basically dropped them off and dipped. And then left their videographers there to see what the Democrats would do. Let's see their faces. And do you know what they did? They brought out food. They fucking provided shelter. They helped these people, provided them attorneys. Right when they landed, right when they knew what was going on, you saw a wholehearted effort to help these people because we're evil. That's why. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 the horrible ones that hate everybody, but we provided care for these people who well, were scared and didn't know where they wanted to go. It's this ridiculous overarching narrative that has been created and has become basically fact for a lot of people. I, yeah. That if you care about other people, brown people, People from another country, yeah. People of another faith, people of another sexuality, mm-hmm. people. If you have empathy and sympathy and try and help people, that means you hate white people. Yeah, obviously, You're just to take over and replace white people with you. You don't that see so that. Sad, you don't dude. see that logical fucking laser beam that they're creating. It's but but again, it's it's playing upon people's fears. It's. It's all it is is cultural. Oh, shit. it is a crossbow bolt into the id of every disenchanted, disenfranchised white asshole that fucking yeah. thinks. And look, I'm not saying asshole people are, are white. I'm just saying there's a bunch of white people that are assholes. Yeah, you know what I mean. There's assholes of every shade. I've met of them. Of course, I've met every them. shade, cre- creed, culture. But at this ideology, point, at this sexuality, point, it's become so recognizable. And so prescient, like it used to be kind of, well, I don't know. And now it's so easily recognizable who you are and what you're doing and what you're up to. I'm just wondering after the midterms, by the way, November 8th, I recommend, please go out and vote for it. I'm not going to, but please do. (laughs) 
and and honestly, if you like somebody else of a different, you know, thought process, that's great. Go let your voice be heard. Yeah. But this is there's they, good Republicans, by the way. By the we, way, it gets lost in this conversation. There are. There are. We've talked about them. A ton of them. We've talked about them. It's just they're not getting the bully pulpit. Of course not. They don't get to talk. No, and then you get called a rhino, and you get called a, yeah. a traitor. Well, if you're if if you're not willing to send every fucking immigrant to hell, and have a police state, and then you're a rhino. Oh, and basically, more simply, if you just don't have your head shoved all the way up Donald Trump's polyp-ridden colon, it's a giant ass, though. You so know, there's a lot a, of room. There's a lot of room. That's why they call it the Big Tent Party. Yeah. It's a big tent back Just there. this colon filled up with overcooked steak and ketchup. Undercooked Big Macs. <laughs> overcooked steak. Um, hey. Yeah, hi. Hi, guys. Wow. Sorry. That, was that shit just... I found out hours before this episode about some of the particulars of what this was, so I had to share it. So I was, no, we're I was always freaking gonna, out. We're always going to start out. with a rant, baby. Uh, yeah, brother. <laughs> um, welcome back, everybody. I hope you're doing well. It is hot and muggy per use in this part of the country. Uh, when it should be delightful, it feels like we are in the aforementioned Florida with Rick DeSantis boiling in hell. And uh, despite that, we are happy to be here. We were going to have Sean Moe here. He's going to come on next week. He had some other prior obligations. He gets very excited like a little puppy and agrees to things and then forgets he has other plans. We all do it. I do it. Uh, but he will be on next week to the best podcast that you have listened to today and maybe ever. It is the Whiskey Reel. We are the whiskiest of reels and the riskiest of wheels we are sitting here in cloud city we are enjoying our lives right now we've got some beautiful bourbon in front of us we'll talk about later and in the interim i don't think we did this last week we didn't do introductions yeah. it was weird we, yeah no we, I know. we rolled we breezed right through it sitting across from me <laughs> is a man who does not have diabetes despite <laughs> what the doctors tell him he doesn't um, he just made me aware that there was COVID-related diabetes, and that just fucked me up. Uh, he's a beautiful man. He's he's large, but in all the right places, and that's what I like. He smells good. He looks good. He has on one of his best flannels. <laughs> he's hitting all cylinders. This is the Bobby Duke. This is Bobbeth Van Noyes of the Tallahassee Van Noyses. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. That was a very wordy introduction. Always is. Always is. Always is. Across from me, this handsome silver fox, star of Blake Crouch's upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, the the CFO of, or the, the controller of our company uh, came up to me. She goes, hey, do you? Do you know you were in a book? I was like, yeah. yeah. And then the the it commenced from there. But it's it's funny being recognized for a bit character in a book. Sure, is hilarious. It's pretty funny. It is pretty funny. Yeah, it's fun. You and I feature prominently in the third act of Blake Crouch's yeah 
unbelievably successful new book, by the way. And Holy shit. When that goes when that goes to celluloid, Woo. which they don't really use anymore. Yeah. When that goes to movie property, I have the IP right yeah. to go audition for the role of myself. No, we're both going to audition. And we're doing that. <laughs> I, I dude, they won't even it's gonna take thirty seconds. But at least I get I to go to Chicago. I'm gonna lose the part to Frank Grillo. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> that's that's Rex's hall pass. He better not be there. <laughs> to digress. <laughs> Across from me, Mr. Sir Antonio Brenderas. We call him the Hammer of Destruction. Yeah! He's the general manager of the storm. <laughs> the storm is coming. My good buddy, Wolfgang Fuck. It's good to see you, buddy. Good to see you, man. And it's good to be back. It was we had to shift gears a little bit because we thought uh, old Chuddy Buddy was going to be here with us. So we, I know we had a whole thing planned. We had a whole thing planned, and now we're going to bang our heads together and do and do better because at least Sean didn't bring the bourbon. You did, and it's pretty good. It's fucking great. Yeah, talk to me. This harkens back to the really really old days. Of the whiskey reel. This is a long archived episode. We actually have discussed this whiskey before. You cannot gain access to that conversation. <laughs> Nor will you. Nor will you. <laughs> it's bad. There's, someone said something horrible on it. I'm sure. <laughs> I guarantee. I'm sure. Or I cried and wanted to kill somebody. Yeah, there's a pretty good chance that happened. Yep. Yeah, that was yep. back in the days we were not the happiest of folks. We weren't. We were still funny. Yeah. But we were really drunk. And sad. So that day we got drunk on a beautiful bourbon. You guys all know this bottle, I'm sure. You've seen it on the shelf a hundred different times. Too many. We're going to talk about what makes this a special bourbon. It is Woodford Reserve, which is a true Kentucky straight bourbon. Yeah. This is the real deal. This is one of the classics. This is up there with, you know, the the Buff Traces. Knob Creek. Knob Creek. Yeah. Uh, the makers, the, yep. like it's in that family. Yeah, uh, you know, and price wise, maybe a couple bucks more than those guys. Mm, not uh, anymore. Yeah, maybe more than makers. Makers is a little cheaper. No, makers is like same um, price nowadays, yeah. man. This is a yeah, forty-ish, forty, forty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right it's gonna float somewhere around that. Woodford what it, Reserve is one of the more. Um, this is gonna sound like an insult, but it's not. What? This is one of the most bourbony bourbons. <laughs> this is a right down the middle line Fuck driver yeah, of a bourbon. This has every single bourbon note that you could ever hope to find. 100%. Like, it, this is such a fucking bourbon. By the way, quick side note. Yeah. You and I became friends over many glasses of Woodford Reserve because our old friend Brian Bear. Uh Brian yeah. Beep. That, yeah, I'm no. sorry. Brian Bear, he's fine. He owns in Durango, Colorado, the yeah. 8th F Tavern, which we make fun of sometimes, but... We only do it because it's it's because we love it. Very much out of love. I was just there a week ago. Yeah. I... Like, yeah. You I, live I there. love Brian Bear. Yeah. He's one of my favorite human he's beings. He's a great dude. We went over there. Rex and I went over there post-SCA anniversary. We got out of there early for yeah. good reason. And then we walked down to, because nice. it's a local bar. A little tap, and, uh, little walked tap down. jaunt. The one thing I will always remember about this and you is you put me on to one of the best things in Durango. Oh, my. And th- this is it. 
Brian, in his glory, serves <laughs> Woodford Reserve Double Oak. Which is a banger. So, by the way, the Double Oak is like 60 bucks retail. Yeah. It's not to be trifled with. Double Oak, I mean, if you think bourbon is bourbon, Double Oak is bourbon, bourbon. Bourbon. It's got, it's basically a milkshake yeah. of bourbon. Um, and it makes it really, it's, I, I put it on par with the ridiculousness of Angel's Envy. It's almost like dessert. It's so incredibly over the top. Creamy. Oh, which sweet. All the nuances of barreling come out and are in the forefront. There's no heat at all. It's like sipping a bourbon milkshake. It's beautiful. We, Bobby's like, dude, get the Woodford. I'm like, dude, I don't want to spend like fucking 16, 17 a pour. He's like, it's like seven, eight bucks. And I was no, like, no. Bro, back then, I don't know six. what it is. I don't it was know what six it is. It back was six dollars and fifty cents. That's cent. right. So we and used to get doubles. Those guys used to pour about three ounces. Little heavy handed. Yeah, a little heavy handed. Pint they glass. put their foot on the gas. <laughs> it was a pint glass. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's how Bobby and I. That's one of the first times you started hanging out. Was over not not the double oaked. I mean, we hung out on the double oak. This is not that. This is the reg, what you'd call the basic yeah. Woodford Reserve. Not the ride. They do a, several iterations. What did you pay for this? It was 42 or something like yeah. that, I think, it, when it was all said and done. Super reasonable. Really um, nice. And it's iconic. Like Bobby said, I mean, we use the word ubiquitous. Every single bar in America has Woodford Every Reserve. Bar. Every single liquor store in America has Woodford Reserve. It's everywhere, and rightfully so. Full disclosure, I haven't had this in a very long time. Yeah. Just because it's it's like all those that you named before, Knob Creek. I don't drink. I, I'm looking for new stuff. Yeah. So I don't usually go, let me get this, let me get that. Damn, man. This it's, is fucking good, it's dude. A banger for forty dollars. It's high proof. Jesus, this is a ninety proof bourbon. God, it is not hot. It has whatsoever. The, it has like the tiniest body warmth to it, you know. But that's just because you're pouring alcohol into your belly. But no palate warmth. Nope. No. no it is not hot on your nose. It's not hot on the At palate. All. Yeah, this is a very approachable whiskey. Um, this is a stepfather whiskey or a fucking father-in-law whiskey, as oh, we would, yeah, brother. you know what I mean? Something you're just gonna buy uh, for a a, a a father figure. Nobody, nobody is gonna, nobody. This bottle, the shape, it's so iconic. That flat, wide-bodied angle. Um, it, man, I forget how good this is. It, it's really good bourbon. No bullshit. It's a little heavy-handed, a little carameled, um, a little vanillaed. Um, yeah, sure. But that's why they made it 90.4 proof. It cuts through the heavy-handed. It's very hammy. It's like over the top in a certain well, way. Well, there's something about post-Kentucky bourbons. So... Every state in the country now probably has several bourbon iterations. A hundred percent. Washington, Colorado, like there's you California clearly like oh, you yeah. go to all these states, they all have a bourbon. Yep. You know what I mean? Kentucky bourbons they wear their heart on their fucking sleeve. They hit. This is they hit different. This is bourbon and this is how we've done it forever. Well, this 
when we think of bourbon, like the, the joke is, if I looked up bourbon in a dictionary, it would have your picture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is... This is one of them. This is definitely on the Mount Rushmore of what you consider Kentucky bourbon. It's... I forgot, and I'm kind of like taken aback um, just because I forgot how fucking good this is. It is so mellow. It is so approachable. It's mouthy. It's not hot at all, like Bobby said. It's got all that red apple and caramel and all that stuff you look for in a Kentucky bourbon, but it's really restrained and almost elegant. Whereas like Buffalo Trace would be like over the top a little bit for me. This just toes the line of being like ridiculous and then steps back a half a step. So I think we're going to, I think we're going to go buy. Oh my God. Well, Everybody out here that has listened to us for thirty years—I don't know how long we've been on. I don't about keep track. about thirty years. About thirty years. So I have a, I have a funny little sad side note. This, oh no! This is just a peek, oh, Jesus. A peek into Bobby Noy's sad life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's my little days. No, I, I remember. Love I loved. I don't have a life per se. I work from home a lot so i usually have the dan patrick show on because i think it's the best sports show slash best interview i don't know it's just a great show you you like you like it a lot it's howard stern for people that aren't assholes (laughs) and sports centric but it's sports centric and but there was a day i'm sitting on the couch and I'm, i'm working and doing my thing and someone in the room he has, you know, like three other, four other guys in the studio with him. They call it the Danettes. All really, really funny, talented dudes. They've been together for 20 plus years, blah, blah, blah. And someone in the room said something about bourbon. So my ears perked up. Sure. Because I happen to think I'm pretty smart about bourbon. <laughs> and <laughs> and Dan actually made a comment. He was like, well, that's that's just whiskey. That's not from Kentucky. It's not bourbon. And then, like, the conversation oh, just kind of went away, yeah. right? And I was like, no. You guys fucked up. So I picked up my phone. I dialed. Did you? Because I was like, no, I'm going to fucking explain to Dan on the air. Yeah. What the fuck? You right. know what I mean? And I, I, you know, just set the phone on next to my computer, kept working. Right. I was on hold. Their screen caller guy, Tyler, fucking picks up. And I'm talking to Tyler. And I'm like, no, I want to talk to Dan about Berman because he's fucking wrong. Right. <laughs> like, everyone needs to know. Right. And he's like, actually, that's great. I want to, I'm going to, you're in the queue. And so it went on. I sat there probably for another hour. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then Tyler comes back on the line. He's like, "Uh, you're on the screen. Dan wants to talk to you, but I think we're out of time. Uh, He's like, but he's like, call back in, call back in. Right. You know? And then I realized I just spent two hours on the phone on a morning talk show (laughs) fucking hold. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> Just because I wanted to show up Dan Patrick, yeah, who's totally a beautiful did. guy, um, and explain to it. But I I don't know. Anyways. We've reached our demographic. Yes. Um, in our own personal lives. I know. But I wanted yeah. to, you know, I wanted to reach out. I get that. So before I, we stop, what are the three things that make a bourbon a bourbon? Very, very simple. Three things. Proofing. It's yes. got to be 80 proof. Mash. Mash bill. It's got to be 51% corn aging. It's got to be in barrel of new American oak for two fucking years. Yep. That's it. That's That's bourbon. Has nothing to do with Kentucky. Kentucky's a fine state. 
I hear they're almost not racist. Almost. Um, they're getting better. But very. Um, but outside of that, you can have bourbon from anywhere in the world. Anywhere. Um, anywhere. Um, and they do, which is crazy. I, uh, there's a bourbon right across the street from us. Amen. And I don't buy it. I don't either. Um, <laughs> and that's fine. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, that being said. All right. Uh, we we were going to delve into some fun stuff that we we're going to do next week. However, Bobby and I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole. Um, we we usually talk about, you know, last week, what's your most disturbing movie? We're going to go music. Um, both Bobby and I obviously love music a lot. It's a big part of my life. I spent a lot of years making it. Uh, it's it's kind of in my DNA. Uh, Bobby and I kind of came together as friends over music uh, and and what we like to listen to. And so we started kind of going, well, what should we talk about? What are we going to do? And it inevitably, not inevitably, but eventually, I guess, would be the right <laughs> word, landed on heavy metal. and Not what, something we talk about a lot. We don't talk about it a lot. But trust me when I tell you how... Um, unbelievably influential heavy metal was to my life. And not just anecdotally, not just because, you know, I knew some guy that knew some guy that did this and I listened to a few albums. This is all I listened to uh, from very young, not even teenager. I listened to metal when I was like eight to like 15 is all I listened to. And then I started transitioning into other musical genres and whatnot. But metal in my youth was so important and laid a groundwork for me musically. Um, not just like musical theory, but like tones and notes. And it was kind of it, 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 the tonality of it and the sound of what it was really influenced me. To the point where here I am as an old ass man, and I still need those certain itches scratched in my music. There's a certain sound that I look for. Yeah, there, there's a visceral, uh, almost an emotional response that you get to heavy metal music. Yeah, it's, unlike, you know, I, it, I it do evokes that. things that other forms of music don't really evoke. And some people find that very uncomfortable. No, I get it. And I it's remember. like people that don't like horror movies. It's Total, like same thing. I don't like feeling uncomfortable. I don't right. like, you know what I mean? Right. Whereas but, a lot of people are like, oh, I love feeling uncomfortable. Well, we, we basked in uncomfortability. That was our shit. Like 100%. as a young man listening to like Iron Maiden, Number of the Beast. And I, I picked that album out only because it was so like it, it was so maligned because it portrayed satanic symbols. It was such like a bad no-no thing to do as a kid. That yeah, the, obviously. Well, and let's go back a step. All right, we're because we're going to talk to the let's, pro, some let's of the progenitors. Not necessarily and, chronological, but like let's talk about like <laughs> there's a lineage to heavy metal that I think is really interesting. It really is. It really is. And uh, it started, I think, with the old days of. I mean. You've got to understand the importance of, I think, in my opinion, that blues had on heavy metal. 
the couldn't be more important. Riff making twelve bar blues is the baseline for modern rock music. Period. End of story. Um, Coming out of that, the blues became amplified, right? And that amplification took different tonalities and different sounds, like timbres and and. I look to guys like Jimi Hendrix and a lot of the psychedelia that was out in the late 60s, mid 60s, started laying the groundwork for the sound of what was going to become heavy metal. The fuzz, the the washed out notes, yeah. the uh, reverb, the delay. Well, distortion, delay. Yeah, um, that became... Yeah, the fuzziness, the down-tuned element of it. The, yeah. yeah, which didn't even really come out till later. That was later, se. but... Hendrix did it because he knew how to play guitar really well, so he like down-tuned himself he while he was playing. fucked around with it. He fucked around with shit. He didn't go by the books. So you take that sound and you go post-hippie into more early 70s. You're talking England. Late 60s. And late 60s. But really like 70 on, you looked at like the um, Margaret Thatcher, England. Pre-Thatcher. Yeah. You had, there's 1968 was a really important year. When you had all the biggies come out. It was Led Zeppelin, right. Black Sabbath, right. and Deep Purple, 1968. All of those fucking bands debuted. So that's a big year. Great for different reasons, right? Oh, well, Deep, yeah. Deep yeah. Purple, I know everybody likes to throw them a bone and say they were. Look, outside of smoke on the water, fuck Deep Purple. <laughs> who cares? <laughs> Let's talk about the other two. Zeppelin, who is a blue, heavy blues-influenced blues. rock band. They just use distortion. Touch a psychedelic, but, uh, but they yeah. just use just fuzz very much a hard distortion. Yeah. Black Sabbath is where shit got weird. Got they weirder. brought in religion. Yes. They dressed in crosses yes. and black. It was goth before goth. Theatrical, uh, gothy imagery. A little imagery. bit more theatrical imagery, yes. Yeah. But combine that with blues heavy rock with distortion, the lyrics talking about Satan. Um, it was very intense, and it was the first band that I could like really attach to that influenced me. I listened to Black Sabbath my entire childhood, and it was super influential. 
um, and still is to a large degree. 100%. Um, uh, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, the first album. Paranoid, the second album. Masters of Reality were like the triumphant. And then Bobby and I were talking about Dio after that with Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules. And man, they put out a catalog of different shit and the sound was different. And that was the progenitor of those bands that followed after that, right? Yeah. Judas Priest. Yep. Iron Maiden. Um, the, these well, were... yeah. So I guess what happened, we started to see after Sabbath, because I mean, let's, let, we have to just say it the way it is. Black Sabbath was the progenitors of a lot of sound. Oh, my God. For this, for this I, style of rock and roll. So America took on its own version of a lot of this stuff, which was a little different. It was a little more, we were talking Aerosmith, Kiss. Um, uh, um, uh, Van Halen, those right. guys started to come like pop their heads up, and they were a little less heavy, but that was our metal scene at the time in yeah. the 70s. Yeah. And Aerosmith, Kiss, <clears throat> I'll go to my grave. Kiss is trash. Um, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> no, it's horrible. I, I, I know you guys, it's nostalgic for a lot of people, but they suck. Go listen to it, it's not good. Uh, However, Van Halen, early Halen, was fucking amazing, man. Van Halen was like a party. All right! Just a party with shredding ass everything. Because not only was Eddie good, his brother was good, Alex was good. Um, they had good musicians in the band. And as much as David Lee Roth, Diamond Dave. Diamond Dave, baby. Um, as much as he's kind of looked at almost as a meme, he was a tremendous front man and amazing a good singer. Amazing front man. And they did add party to metal. So... What we're doing is stacking building blocks, amino acids on right. the metal. Yeah. So now you have goth dark, and then you have Iron Maiden, Judas Priest sort of thing that added like this almost satanic, super heavy, grindy. And then you have Halen who adds party. And so you start to see the assemblance of what modern rock is. Yeah. Right? It starts to come to the forefront. And everybody built off of that. Then metal becomes what? Do you, is there anybody else you'd like to throw in there? No, I mean, so yeah, Priest comes along, and they have. I mean, if you go listen to old Judas Priest, it is, it's metal, but it's it is a pretty hard, rocky kind of. It sound. is. It Rob is. Rob Halford being another dynamic, charismatic fucking front guy, and these these are these are bands with front guys that'll blow your face off. Yeah. These aren't okay singers. Bruce Dickinson and Rob Halford. Yeah, and we'll get into Dickinson. Smoke. That was the next thing. And I think yeah. they're the, to me, Maiden might be the linchpin between. Thrash. <coughs> yeah, they helped create 
that thrash metal scene that right. took over in the United States in the 80s. The right. Metallica, 80s. Megadeth, Slayer, Yeah, Anthrax. so Iron Maiden, who, by the way, I, I still could just sit down and listen to Iron Maiden. Like Bruce, Bruce Dickinson is flying on the Amazing. back of a dragon over a stadium somewhere right now. Well, you're talking about a guy that flies his own, like, 747 to his gigs. Yeah. This is not a guy to be. And he's all of 5'4". Mm-hmm. He's a tiny man. Yeah, not a big guy, but a huge voice. Un- much like Ronnie James Dio. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they're they're very much of the same ilk. Dude, same fucking, just, they, they're almost built the same as singers. Very operatic and theatrical. Everything's ascending arpeggios and fucking, like, soaring. It's, it's, it's it, their, their style was to elevate. It's operatic. Yes, it was that's these, a good, thank you. That's a really good operatic. way to put it. Operatic. The same way we talked about, like, groups like King Diamond. Yeah. That are, there. it's this operatic showmanship that still is happening in modern metal. Freedom to stab in the back. Bands that got famous on mainstream radio that have borrowed from the operatic theatrical stuff. Everybody wants to give it to Alice Cooper. From a stage performance visual part, that makes sense. But he sucked too, dude. I'll throw him (laughs) right in with the other ones that I don't like. I, I don't think the music was very good. It was basic rock music. He just put on face makeup and had snakes and skeletons and made it spooky. It was spooky rock. And that was fine. And a lot of people borrowed from that. And it 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 evolved into King Diamond and then evolved into like de- fucking black metal, death metal. It evolved into all these extreme parts. Yeah. Right? And back in America... <laughs> There's basically three music scenes in the 80s, right? Like you had L.A., New York, and like Boston. Yeah. And a little bit of Washington, D.C., but that was a different style. That, of, that was hardcore. That was yeah. a different style of film, uh, music. But like um, you had the glam metal thing came up. Yeah. And even prior to Thrash really taking off, you had uh, Bon Jovi and fucking... Um, I don't know Motley Crue. That's that's who I was yeah, searching but, for. Yeah, but they were glam rockers. You know, they what were. I mean? They but were. They crew had, borrowed. They had more, haircuts. Yeah, and they have, you know, a lot chicks of makeup. on stage. I remember being a young man looking at Motley Crue's first album, "Shout Out the Devil," and I went, "These chicks are hot." Yeah, and I didn't mean that in a bad way. I was twelve, and I looked at an album cover, and I didn't know what I was looking at. They were going for an aesthetic. The thing that Molly Crew I give a little bit of a mulligan to. Their first couple albums, they actually there was some shreddiness going on. Shout! 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 
Mick Mars, Tommy Lee could play their Nikki Six could Nikki play Six, their instruments yeah. really well. They could play. for that style. There were good leads. There were tight little fills, um, and it was heavy. It was a little bit more aggressive. As we got further down the hair metal road, it turned into slaughter and warrant, and it got really ballad heavy. And I was done with it. I dropped right. it almost immediately. Um, well, but behind the scenes during all this time, you had, I mean, literally Metallica broke because of an album called the the Garage EP, basically. Yeah. These guys were <laughs> doing the most unglamorous fucking heavy metal music. It was music. dirt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Metallica. It was a punk rock of metal. Exactly. Those, Essentially. Those, yeah. Um, there was no Megadeth yet because Dave Mustaine was playing back with Metallica in right. those days. Right. And so yeah, you had Cliff Burton, Newstead or not Newstead, um Cliff Burton, um Mustaine. shit, uh Mustaine, Kirk Hammett was even part of that group, yeah. And fucking and then, and uh Hetfield, old, and, old Duckfoot. And old Duckfoot Lars Ulrich. Ugh, those guys overrated drummers. Those EPs were it the killers. sound of it was different. It hit different. It changed how you saw music. And it changed metal. More importantly, it changed metal. Metal was very clean, very technical. It brought a, a filthiness to metal, a dirtiness. Uh, it was unkempt at that time. That thrash shit was more skater, less about your hair and your Camaro. It was more about just literally thrashing. I got something to say. I killed your baby today. Hardcore, it had it had elements of you reach back into the blues, you reach back. Everybody writes sure. their shit, first chorus, first chorus, bridge, first chorus, throw a lead in there somewhere, but it was still a blues standard setup. They just made it dirtier, and this is where the resurgence of what would be considered modern metal, which you roll Pantera into that as well more of a modern American metal that was heavy as fuck, dirty as shit, but still had a lot of blues behind it. And had right? a lot of musicianship. A ton of musicianship. That's what gets lost, I think, with people that listen to heavy metal because they find it so challenging that it's hard to listen to. No, I and I you but, get it, right? But it and it's such a nerd thing to say, but I guess I'm kind of a metal nerd, but like yeah, like you're li- like when Kirk when Dave Mustaine left and and started Megadeth, they bring in Kirk Hammett to be in Metallica. And by the way, we need to make it clear: everyone in Metallica is a douche. Every fucking one of them. Never they're, met him. Don't want to. They're the worst fucking people. I'm but, sure Robert Trujillo is cool, but dude, one of the five fucking like most important bands in my lifetime. Yeah, because not they changed mine, everything. But I get it. You, see I get what, it. you know what I mean? They changed. Everything. But you forget there were virtuoso musicians. I think Kirk Hammett might have been a Juilliard trained guitarist. Makes sense. You know what I mean? Because that motherfucker, like Dave Mustaine, could play fast. Kirk Hammett was he can play well. It's I mean, different. holy goodness! Like, but 
you're we're 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 overlooking a, a genre of metal that took place where you had the guitar gods. You had Ingve oh, Malmsteen. Well, I was about to say Malmsteen. You had Vi. Steve Vai. You had Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. You had Satch was less, but Satriano was it, more. He's included in there, though. Uh, he's one of those guys. The silver doucher. Um, those guys were metal dudes that were. I mean, you talk about skilled guitar players. I mean, guys like that don't even exist anymore. They don't even exist. These guys were. Just absolute aficionados. Randy Rhodes, another one. Another one. Um, yeah. God, we yeah. We're we're past the guitar god era. Yeah. And that was a fun era, man. Like You looked up to these guys like Ingve Malmsteen never had a word in a song ever. It was just shredding ass guitar songs, and I know that Did sounds Steve boring. Vai? And I don't trite. think Steve Vai ever had vocals, right? Steve Vai played with people, though. yeah, but, but that was yeah. different. But he had like yeah. solo stuff. That oh, was he just, had huge solo, just stuff. him noodling. Yeah, I served ice cream to his son Fire Vai. <laughs> Fire Vai. Um, thank you. That was a total star fucker moment for me. Um, but. We, we had these great transitions in metal, and what I'd like to talk about moving forward, we talked about thrash. Now we're up to the you know early, mid-80s, late-80s. And the metal took a weird turn, it feels to me. In the 90s, it didn't do a ton. I talked about Pantera still holding the torch alive. Um, they were adjunct little people. Like, you got to remember, guys, early White Zombie, early, which metal started changing into different stuff. And this is where we started creating subgenres. Um, now we have 60 subgenres of metal. There's like metalcore and fucking shoegaze metal and death metal, black metal, sludge, sludge black. metal. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it goes on in perpetuity. And I love that. I'm glad everybody's carved out their niche. But then metal had a dormancy. Yeah. I mean Let's be honest. The early nineties especially. There was some there was some stuff that happened. I'm not gonna say it was a death knell for metal, but it was a changing of the guard into the grunge era that lasted, you know, a handful of years. Lasted a good long while, four or five years. Yeah. That then turned into what has been coined. New metal. new metal. And <laughs> it's NU with an umlaut. Umlaut. I remember playing in a band and we were called New Metal. And I looked at it and I didn't know what I was looking at. Yeah. You're and like, I saw this? metal behind it. So I thought it was okay. Yeah. And in retrospect, I realized 
They didn't know what to classify it. Because mm-hmm. now you're looking at young men playing metal that also are influenced by goth, hip-hop, hip-hop. and bringing that into metal. And I'm not talking about Limp Bizkit. I'm not talking about Biohazard, where you're rapping over heavy guitar riffs. That's fine. If you like that, that's good on you. I'm just talking about like literally the cadences, the sounds, the styles, the approach of metal became different. It was the same guitars, same drums, same bass, but the counts were different. It wasn't yeah. 4-4 anymore. And the 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 vocalism was much more aligned with somebody like Mike Patton. I consider Faith No More and Tool very metal um, and bungle. You can say what you want. It almost feels like carnival music, but that's as metal as it gets in my mind. So we grew up listening to those guys and being influenced by what would be considered a new metal. Well, and that became mainstream. Faith No More, obviously epic. Um, won a Grammy. the real thing. Won a Grammy. Yeah. I mean, that was I mean, a huge fucking song. But... But out of nowhere, right? And yeah. people were like, oh, it's like rap metal. And I'm like, yeah, <sighs> kind Come of. Come on. Like, that's, but then it became much more mainstream because in the 90s, especially toward the the end of the 90s, that's when you started to get the corns and you started to get disturbed. But that was post-tool. And it, and it, yes, it was. Who was metal as fuck. <laughs> That's where emo started coming in because yeah. it was emotional music. Well, Toe was that first proggy metal band that had been around for a while that really actually made an impact. Right. You know right. what I mean? Right, right, right. But that's where things changed. It feels like we branched off into different divisions of rock. 100%. And if you like this band, then you don't like that band. It just became it, enclaves. It, it became enclaves. Like if you like My Chemical Romance, then you don't like... Uh, Pantera, which means that you don't like Tool, which means that you don't like fucking, you which know, is such a gross Celtic way. Frost. Why is that? A, which, that is it, the grossest way to look at art. We're tribalists. We're tribalists. We are. We like to branch off into our little enclaves, like you say, which is a perfect way to say it, and be like, we're the best. And if you want to come get us, come get us. That's, I guess, who we are as human beings. Sure. Because we branch off into our own little idiotic artistic enclaves. And don't like anything else. You know, luckily, Bobby and I get to talk to you every week, and we like everything. That's good. If it sucks, we don't like it. <laughs> and we the are point. the proctors. We are of the what proctors of what is good. <laughs> uh, no, but it's interesting to see rock now 
And look, we had our little influx of like uh, fucking power ska and electronics, like heavy electronic music. I would consider Nine Inch Nail industrial, which is a part of metal, which is also like skinny puppy. Ministry. Ministry, who, if you don't think ministry is metal, you can go suck my dick. Um, yeah, go listen to Psalm 69 and tell me there's not some go, metal go listen on to, that. Go listen to Dark Side of the Spoon yeah. and tell me that's not metal. But metal became this overarching umbrella that covered all these really interesting artistic forms. And we, yeah. luckily, we grew blues into that, into that, into that. And now we have this catalog of beautiful, hard rock music that is like evocative and emotionally connected to who you are, especially as a young man and a young woman, like a young woman. Um, you listen to, I, I mean, I knew some most fucking aggro people that loved metal were, were girls that I grew up with that were just, they would k- stab you in the throat to go to a Pantera concert. Like, they were as aggro as anybody. There's a connection that that sound yeah. and that feeling does to you as a young person. It's interesting listening to I mean, it as an old guy. Not just that. It's like some of my favorite musicians are female metal musicians. I mean, Melanie Parsons of Royal yeah, Thunder. Uh, yeah, Gina totally. Is just a shredder that plays for the band Baroness. Absolute shredder. I mean, absolutely amazing. What's her name from uh, um, Opeth? Or no, Otep. Otep. You always do that. I always do that. I always take Opeth first. (laughs) Oh, dear, no, Who, by the way, is great. Uh, Great. Uh, no, uh, but you know what I'm saying. Like, like Otep. 100%. Definitely new metal, but they have their own sound. They have their own sound. And she is a fucking animal. But the tent is big, it's broad. Yeah. It's like uh Donald Trump's ass. It's huge. It invites you all into his ass. Um yeah. metal is for everybody. There's something for everybody. Just avoid the polyps. And it yeah, dodge the polyps. Um but we look at bands that would be considered almost like alternative, like turnstile. That's like we did a we did some turnstile several months ago that are punk but that's part of metal. Like there's a we like there was a thing that went around 20 years ago, 30 years ago where it was that that's metal. And it wasn't or that's punk. It wasn't cuz it's punk. It was the attitude behind it. Like that's a punk rock thing to do. That's a metal ass thing to do. It's because it evokes those feelings of counterculture, yeah. of being of ownership, of being powerful. And I remember that as a young man. And I try to remember that as an old man. Yeah. You know? So so is metal less about technicalities or is metal an attitude? Is metal I think, I think ultimately for me, metal is sound. Yeah. You nail your sound and put your attitude behind it and that's pretty fucking metal right. for me. I, I, I that there's a sound. Yeah. If you played, if you played Anthrax acoustically, 
I don't know if it's like the, the, the progressions, the, the musicianship or metal, but is it, it doesn't, you're taking out the, it needs the distortion. It needs the crunch. It needs right. the anger and that fucking animus and the just fucking let's go. That is ubiquitous through metal. Like yeah. from punk to post hardcore to hardcore to fucking whatever you want to terminology you want to put shoegaze. There's a metal. There's a sound. There's a feeling of bubbling up that that created thanks to Sabbath and guys like that. that just, I know it's angsty youth shit. It's been yeah. talked about a lot, and I'll touch on the angsty youth. What do you thing. think? What do you think? Because of the Stranger Things season that just yeah. came out and which was a great resurgence for Metallica such a cool little research but not only that it actually that was a very metal moment That was metal. What he did was, was metal, metal as, as fuck. That's why people. But that's why we used to call it that. And I know it's meme now. But no. But it was emotionally resonant because it was like, dude. Hell yeah. That is so fucking, fucking metal, metal, dude. Yeah. Hell yeah. You know. What do you, what do you, when you hear, how do you know you're hearing what, by the way, which is um, literally non-definable when you say metal. For you, for Bobby Noyes, what's metal when you hear it? I guess I would I would say it's a lot like the Supreme Court's decision on pornography. <laughs> Parental advice. No, you know it when you see it. You know when you see it, brother. <laughs> Hell yeah, You know, dude. when you're hearing something, you're like, this is fucking metal. This is metal, dude. This is metal. Well, and, and there got... are guys that play the notes and fucking do it, and I'm like, nah, it's not metal. It's not the same. It's not metal. It's not the you're same. You're not doing it. Like You're doing it wrong. Case in point. Case in point, you look at a band, and I'm not disparaging them. I know there's a lot of fans of these guys. You look at people like My Chemical Romance. It doesn't mean they're bad musicians they're or they can't musicians. write good songs. They're not metal. No. By any stretch. Good musicians. But you look and at And they a, got big riffs, and they got big... Yeah, you know? the sounds are great, but it's yeah. not metal. It's not metal. You look at a band like... Because you know we're going to stroke daddy. You know we're going to do it. You look at a band like Deftones, oh. I don't give a fuck who you are. I know we're old guys and we're going to hang on to what we're going to hang on to that cliff, but that shit is metal as fuck, dude. Their ballads you, are metal. Ugh, crunchy, emotional waves of sound. 
the note the 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 notations in their music when they write um the dissonance the the it's that to me is metal that reminds me of sabbath that reminds me of of cuz you forget one of the best ballads ever written was by a metal mus- metal musician that's changes changes woo so yeah metal can be it doesn't matter if it's soft or slow that metalness needs to happen and it's not the end all be all of all music but it's something that was important to me growing up as a fat little shit in LA it's important for my fat you ass. growing up yeah 100% so i mean fat yeah. little shit yeah just a fat little turd yeah yeah but when you were rocking out horns in the air in your bedroom nothing could touch you right that's metal yep absolutely hell yeah well, guys, I hope you've enjoyed this talk. We are going to do what we always do, and we're going to fuck off to the balcony and talk about the next segment because we do this. Just do a dirt by the seat of our pants. Yeah. You know why? <laughs> That's fucking metal as fuck. That's pretty fucking metal. Hell yeah. Y'all ready for this? It's finally here from the out of touch suits who brought you jock jams. And now that's what I call music volumes eight through 72 comes a new compilation album that will knock your dick directly in the dirt. When you call to make up your mind, when you gonna love you as much as I do. Uh, Hipster Jams! 22 discs, 350 tracks, each one more depressing than the next. What could I say? Call in the next five minutes, and you'll receive a 1978 Volkswagen Westfalia with no engine and three bike racks. You heard them correctly. No engine. There's no need for an engine because, well... You live here now, Gulliver. Hipster jams. Kill yourself, Daria. No, no, Carol, they didn't send us anything, but why? Why? It doesn't seem to be your kind of thing. Well, I got really into Modest Mouse when I was dating this boy from Eugene, Oregon. He was interesting. He had a big eight inch cock, but he never washed it. (laughs) (laughs) That that sounds terrible, Carol. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome, boys. Um, Anytime. Just get me that album if you can. You can reach out to us. Give us your own opinions on metal music and how much you hate it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah kylie talking to you kylie yeah no. <laughs> reach out to us at 970-426-5344 privilege 970-426-5344 we, you can also reach out to us via email give us a little longer form feedback if you're a lunatic whiskey at gmail.com at we're out there on all the socials you can find us you can message us on a facebook Kind of thing. On the Facebooks. We do love a good voicemail. And speaking of our friend, Kyleen. Does she, did she drop some knowledge? Well, Aaron, you do have a tendency sometime to make an impact on wow. our listeners. Shit. And I don't, I mean that in a really good way. Oh, okay. I thought it was 
you were being facetious. You guys are cry buddies. I love it. Yeah, I did. I, I cry all the time. <laughs> so yeah, Kyleen, friend of the podcast. You guys have heard her voice on here before. She's one of my favorite people in she'll this give you community. A, she'll give you a ticket if you don't have your shit. She tied. doesn't fuck around. Doesn't fuck around. She got no. Sean Mo got forty-seven tickets. Yeah, she got no gray area. Nah, no gray area, no, bro. No. She's like, well, I've already started the ticket. <laughs> no chill. So <laughs> <laughs> you, you ain't got no chill. So you're fucked. Anyway, <laughs> um, last week we had a pretty emotional last 15 minutes. Yeah. Obviously, we talked about some heavy subjects. We're going to revisit that a little bit. Uh, like I said last week, uh, it, it's it's triggering territory. Yeah. And if, Sorry, and don't, you know, you know, skip forward a few minutes if I don't and, and this is not that triggering. She's just wanted okay. to uh, okay. kind of respond to what, what you had said okay. last week. Hey, Aaron. Hi, but this is mainly to Aaron. This is Kylene. I just wanted to tell you thank you. We have to talk about these things. It's so important. I almost lost my child who's in the service industry last October. I almost lost myself. Back in 2008. So, you made me cry this time, Betty. Um, but thank you for talking about that important subject. I try to, every chance I can, to encourage people to talk about it. Ask somebody if they're making a plan. There's a company called QPR. They do classes that help people learn how to see the signs and help other people that are going through that. So it's called Question, I don't remember right now, but it's a really, really good class. I'll send the information to Bobby on Facebook. But thank you so much for talking about such an important subject. Love you guys. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Know, wow. Give me fucking going after it again, dude. And yeah, I know. I know. I it's know. It's a heavy subject, but. You know. It's a real subject, and yeah. people in the service industry right now, believe it or not, are under a lot of stress. Yeah, man. And more so are, than ever. They are working more than you can possibly imagine to fill shifts. Every time you come into town and you get pissed off because your favorite restaurant is closed for the evening yeah. because of lack of service, um, there's a reason for that, and it's yeah. because people are And I hate to say it, use that terminology it's but blunt but true it's blunt but true they're these guys are and girls are working themselves to the bone and it's too much and yeah. be be gracious is all be i can say nice and be generous you don't going out to eat is a luxury you don't have to go out and eat it's not like i have to get water or i have to have a roof over my head it's a luxury. It's it's an add-on. It's adjunct. Be nice to people. I get it. You don't get what you want all the time, and you can express that in a kind manner. Absolutely. If you're a dick, we're getting to the point in the hospitality industry where it used to be the customers, customer's always right. That got dropped 20 years ago. We're getting to the point now where if you come out of your face sideways at anybody that works for me, I will fucking bounce you out of my place. There is no more room for acting like an asshole. If something is wrong, express it and we'll fix it. I know it's not great. We'll apologize. If you're having a bad day, that's fine. We get it. 
but we're not going to tolerate people being absurdly mean to us anymore. Absolutely we're not. done with that. You need to remember these young people and some not so young are working their tails off for you. Yeah. And believe me, these establishments would rather be open. They would rather be making money Trust and me. servicing people because it's their livings, just Trust like me. it's your living. Yeah. You know what I mean? So don't look down on people because they're having a hard time staffing up their restaurants. It's harder to find staffing right now because there has been a sea change in the way people look at making their living. Work. A hundred percent. And it's not always the worst thing in the world that people are trying to look for something different because you have, if you've never worked in that hospitality realm, you have no idea how stressful it is. Well, we, we say it all the time, man. And in Israel, it, you have to spend two years in the army or four years or whatever. You, you have to commit to something to be a citizen of that country. I, at some point, I wish the United States would put forth a bill, and I know it's impossible. It's pie in the sky. I get it. But if at least for six months, you have to, out of high school, spend six months in a hospitality position, whether that's front desk at a hotel, a busboy, waiter, bartender, anything where people tell you what to do, I think this entire country would be nicer people. 100%. Yeah. Well said, sir. Yeah, man. Uh, hey, on to brighter, shinier subjects. Ding, 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 ding. I was going to play some pitbull. First of all, Kylene, thank you so much for the yeah, call. Thank we you, really Kylene. love having your I appreciate back. you. You mean a lot to us. I appreciate you. Um, going back into the best, we're going to do the best of Pitbull. We're like, going to do 12 <laughs> of Pitbull's best songs right now. Yeah, so buckle up. That's what we're buckle doing. Buckle up. Um, I found 12. <laughs> is there only 12? <laughs> uh, or are you saying, is there 12? <laughs> it's the same song, so you can yeah. do with it what you will. Um, there's an artist out of, uh, originally from New Jersey, but there's a crew called um, 070. They have different ways they want to pronounce that, but I'll make it easy on y'all. Um, so this uh, young lady um, named Shake is... Uh, was signed to Good Music, which is Kanye's label, has been on some really fire features, not really came out into her own. Um, I ran across this, and full disclosure, I had to look her up because I hadn't heard of any of it. But obviously, um, if you're signed to Kanye's label, Good Music, and she was put on Pusha T's stuff, she knows what she's doing. Um, you're talking about some of the biggest dudes in music. Um, so if they think you're talented, uh, then we got to give them a look. Uh, she came out with a song called Cocoon. Because of missed episodes and this and that and the other, haven't gotten around to this. I've been having this in my pocket for a few weeks. Um, this is called Cocoon. It's fun. It's different. It's not necessarily rap, but it is, but it isn't. Um, I just... Doug the vibe, man. I hope you guys will too. Can't wait to hear it. Why you didn't grow? No, I don't know. It's making me think that I was wrong. It's making me so emotional.
That's cool as shit. Yeah, she lives like in a different. You say it's not hip hop. I mean, it it, it is, is it is, but it ain't. But she lives more in that like Santi Gold MIA yeah, kind of for world. For sure, for sure. It's she's in the the tweener yeah sort of area yeah. But it it it's popping. But it's, oh yeah, it, yeah. There's some to it. You talk about grimy sounds. We talked about heavy uh-huh. metal. That that. Bass, like whatever that filter is they put on that, that was dirty, dude. I love it. In headphones, that shit is dirty. I bet. Yeah. Good on you. Zero seven zero shake. Check that shit out. Hey, before we move into um our final segment, yeah. You said you had an anecdote for me. We, oh. we were having a text conversation about the She Hulk. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> and you guys know our professed love of the She-Hulk. I'm digging it. People are bashing it. Let them. I don't. Actually, Sean Moe was very profound in this. Um, getting to the point where I don't care what you say. Like, I'm going to enjoy what I'm going to say. Uh, enjoy what I'm going to enjoy without you saying anything. It's not going to affect my enjoyment. A lot of us take a lot of critic shit on our back. And like, oh, if they don't like it, I don't know. I like this. I don't care what you say. It's fine. I have a fun time every single time I watch an episode. But you said something, and I mentioned this to Rex that was funny. And you said it's kind of like it's got like a Sex in the City vibe. And and, and then she was watching it. She goes, tell Bobby that sh- this shit is Allie McBeal. <laughs> and she was firm and i know that if you haven't watched no, watch she's right though she's right though man like she was like this yeah. is ali mcbeal's is, humor yeah like it's courtroom humor yeah and uh so she wanted me to pass up well ali mcdill was funny like that right. was a, yeah but it's stylistically more <sighs> accurate yeah. no and she's right. All right she's right all right all props to rex all props to rex as usual i gotta go home and cook her dinner yeah so. i don't <laughs> but you know you can enjoy but, uh, it. i'm a hundred percent right a uh, like she's i'm sorry she's a hundred percent yeah of course yeah, yeah. of course i don't That's know that just something that popped into my head because <clears throat> no, it, it makes it's sense a girl in the city Dealing totally with career, sense. dealing with extenuating circumstances. But breaking the fourth wall and that it's kind of It's a cute humor. show. That's I, what I don't get. The tonally, it's just a different show than people are used to, maybe. I like it. I don't know why it's, we have to go more than that. It's unlike know. anything. You can love or hate Marvel. And they've laid some giant turds. Full disclosure. But what I will say is every single property they put out, they try to make it different than the other property. Yeah. And this is unlike anything they've put out. Yeah, they go out and they bring in smart young filmmakers yeah. that have a different voice. Yeah. And they give them the show. And they're like, yeah, and this do fun. your thing. 
It's stupid. It's funny. You got to get from point A to point B, but yeah, it's good. She's very likable as a character. The actress is. She's a wonderful likeable. actress. So whatever. If, hey, how about this? If you don't like it, cool. We'll watch it. You don't have to. Suck a dick. In fact, I'm just gonna make that part of my pearl of wisdom. Do it because roll, it's time. Roll, roll. It is time to clutch your pearls of wisdom. <laughs> don't do the thing. <laughs> you hate it. I hate it because I have to put it in there. Um, I am guilty of this a lot, and that is not allowing people to enjoy what they enjoy. And it's kind of what has been deemed sort of a hipster mentality. Yeah, and I really fucking is. have it. Of course we I all do. do. You know, if someone likes Sublime, I'm going to tell them how fucking horrible they are. How bad they're a you bad are person. A person. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're the worst person I've ever met. <laughs> but the more I'm on social media, the more I'm seeing the tone of our country right now, of not just our country, but just us as a, a people in our society, because we are, this is. This is no longer about the United States. We talk. I can talk to people online from every country, every culture, and we're all watching the same shit. We're yeah. all watching Netflix. We're all watching Disney Plus. We're yeah. all fucking listening to the same shit, right? And you know, it's like I remember in the '80s, like we were listening to Duran Duran, and in U- the Ukraine, they were still listening to Lawrence Welk. God bless Duran Duran. Yeah, I just you. want to put that out. Thank there. you. Yeah. Thank you. And the Ukraine just got that like 12 years ago. <laughs> they're fighting back the Russians right now. <laughs> and they're s- successfully. Yeah. My dad. I know. They're doing pretty okay. Uh, better than okay. Yeah. I'm not on the side of the Russians. Sorry. <laughs> Let me put that out there. <laughs> but no, I, I, I just, I start to find myself getting frustrated with me because I'm like, dude, why are you coming down on somebody for just looking at something differently and blah 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 and yeah i get it like i i watch some of these critics and i'm just like oh my god you are the worst human being sure and you know what they love what they love too but we also have a genre of people that are professional contrarians that are just going to fucking hate shit because they hate shit that's all it is you know what i mean there's this whole hashtag what what is it? Not my mermaid or whatever fucking shit that's going on Ugh. in this country right now. And I, we're not going to get into that. I I people, can't. People I that know can't. me understand that like it it's I okay can't. for a half fish to also be black. <laughs> that is not the fucking end of the world. Oh my god! An elf can be. I'm going to kill myself from right now. other descent because they're made up <laughs> fake things. So let's stop getting so fucking precious about our mythologies. It's okay. It's okay for little black girls. You brought this up. It's okay for little black girls to be able to look at a movie and go, oh, my God, that girl looks, looks like, like me. me. And she's talented and, and she's beautiful. Yeah. And I love this movie. They're going to create a whole generation of people that actually have a movie that they love. You tell them what a mermaid should be. You know what I, I want mean? you yeah. to go to their house. You go and tell. tell that six-year-old little black girl that said, Mommy, she's brown like me. Well, you better go yet, tell go tell her. her dad that you want to make wow. his little girl sad. Yeah, that, that might by not being go well. a, Just by being an entitled dick that has to have everything the way you think it's supposed to be. I don't. And, I don't have my Under Armour on. You know, I can't. <laughs> I can't have a conversation right now. But you guys understand what I'm saying. Yeah, it's man. time for us, man. We have. 
got to Just settle stop, down. We have got to let people love what they love. And it's okay that not everyone on screen looks like you. Hey, if you're <laughs> my age and you're white, it's always been this way. Yeah. You've all had all the white characters in the yeah. world. Yeah. I'm not allowed to talk shit about John Wayne, even though John Wayne is a miserable, thank God he's dead, pile of racist shit. Motherfuck him and John Wayne. Exactly. It's okay for us to move forward. We're not moving on from you. We're moving moving forward with you, right? We're all in this shit together. Let's be friends. I'm moving on from you. Yeah, I'm kind of. I'm gonna go live too. with lizards and spider monkeys, tardy and I hate tardy you. Old <laughs> um, last but not least, little little tip from your old begrudged, befuddled Uncle Aaron: read the fucking room. There's something called emotional IQ, and I know that sounds hoity-toity, but what that means in essence is. Understand the environment going on around you before you act. If you're talking to a coworker that's been having a bad day or is in a bad spot, it's probably good, not a not a good idea to poke the beer and 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 tell him about something that you need now, right now from them. Probably not going to get a good response. You got to read the room. If you're in a room full of 10 people that are silent sitting there and you're the only one talking, moving around from person to person, chances are they don't want you there. So leave. Read the room. Have some idea of your spatial awareness and what other people are doing. I know you have your mission. I know you have your saga. Get that shit done. But if you don't have the ability to do that, you are never going anywhere. The best people I've ever worked with or ever been friends with understand the environment they're in. Stop acting like whatever you're going through is the only thing that everybody else is going through. Read the room or you will not survive. And I'm saying this specifically. To a person that will never hear this, but (laughs) you've got zero spatial awareness about people. It's not always about being the smartest person in the room. It's about being the person that understands the room. Yeah, awareness is uh, awareness matters. It's it's okay to be aware of other people and and their plight, too, even if your plight is just you had to wake up on a Monday and do shit. Yeah, even hogs, you know. (laughs)
just walked away I will always want you I came in like a wrecking ball